Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey, it is good to have everybody once again, week two, back being in in-person services. And again, so excited that all of you are here in person. And also, for those of you that are watching online, we're so grateful that we can continue to offer that to you as well. Hey, you know, during the uh, uh, time when we were away, where we couldn't be together, there were some folks who uh, really stepped up and uh, continued to help make our online services available and uh, even better. And so I just want to take an opportunity just to express uh, appreciation. Uh, they're not always up front. There were a lot of people behind the scenes who were making a lot of things happen. And so I just want to publicly just express my appreciation to Ray and Laura Hine, who did all of our camera work and uh, all of our behind the scenes stuff. Really appreciate them and their dedication going above and beyond, not only helping myself, but Pastor James and Pastor Jacob as well. Uh, a special thanks to my family as well. Jamie and my two kids, Caleb and Olivia, really stepped up uh, to serve in various ways and uh, in helping out oftentimes behind the scenes. Caleb up front helping out, picking up in keyboard when we couldn't really get a whole lot of people together. Uh, Dwight helped out with, uh, with sound and Betsy stepped in and Matt German to help out with worship in so many ways. And so again, this takes an entire army and a team. I just want you to know that. Uh, I get to be in front of the camera, I get to be up here, but I've gotta tell you, it does not happen without our volunteers. It does not happen without our volunteers. So I wanna just express appreciation to everybody else. I just get to be out in front, but they're the ones that make it happen. So uh, again, just express that appreciation. Well, I know it's summer break. <laughs> I know it's summer break, but I want to share a, a science lesson. Does anybody like science? Uh, and there are some of you that didn't do well in science. If you were like me, I didn't do well in science. So I'm going to share something, an illustration just to kind of help us get started today. And it's not something that I completely understand. Can I just be transparent with you? <laughs> All right, but it's something that I found fascinating. There's, a, there's a, something that's called quantum mechanics. Anybody ever heard of quantum mechanics? Quantum mechanics is the fact that atoms are 99.99% empty space. Can anybody who knows science attest to that? Empty space. That's a lot of empty space. I don't understand it. I'm fascinated by it, but I, I don't completely understand it. The size of an atom is dictated uh, by a, as far as, excuse me, the electron's orbit or the, the orbit, the, the outer orbit of the electrons, which is called the electronic sh electron shell or atomic shell, which is on average, I don't want to get this wrong, 100,000 times larger than its nucleus, and that's where we get mass from. All right, that's where we get mass. Again, I hope I'm not butchering this because it, it really, it's really cool. But if you put it in perspective, how many of you are waiting for baseball to start? I'm waiting for baseball to start. I, I love the Cleveland Indians and I just really want them to get started. But when I go to a baseball game, I like peanuts. Anybody like peanuts? Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks, right? So if you take that peanut, that, that peanut represents the nucleus of an atom. All right, and, and then if you take a look at the entire baseball stadium, 
that would be the, the shell. That would be the outside of the shell. And you know that inside of that, there's a lot of empty space, right? There's a lot of empty space that's happening there. And simply put, atoms in your body are almost entirely made up of empty space. Now, all right, now I'm getting ready to kind of blow your mind a little bit more. Because in terms of quantum reality, the truth is the pew that you're sitting on here or the seat you're sitting on at home or the stool I'm sitting on, you're not really, you're not really touching, it feels like you're touching, but you're, you're actually hovering just a little bit above. Why? Be, because of the magnetic force, the electronic magnetic force of the electrons of that seat are bumping into the electronic the, the, of, your, of your backside, all right, or your back, and, 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 and it's causing what, you're, what you seem to be feeling, but you're actually kind of hovering, and it's called the poly-exclusion principle, and I'm just going to be honest with you, that's a mystery for another day that I don't completely understand, all right, but, you know, but, but here's what I want to get at, all right, almost, that, that after Atoms are almost entirely made up of empty space and subatomic particles, particles that are called quarks, and, and they're held together by massless particles called gluons. Now, that is a lot of, like, terminology, all right, that I, I, and many of you are confused. How many of you are confused, all right? You're, confu- you're saying, Pastor, where are you going with this? Well, let me just, let me, let me start to bring some scripture into it, okay, because there's an evolving theory with quantum mechanics, and, and it's almost that the mass of our bodies comes from kinetic energy of quarks and a binding energy of gluons. So let me throw some scripture. So hang on to that for a moment. Ephesians 1.23 says this, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Fills everything in every way. Notice the passage describes God as one who fills everything in every way. Now think about it. If the atoms of your body are 99.99% of space, that's a lot of real estate for God to work with. That's a lot of real estate for God to work with. Mark Batterson says this, the transcendence of God is he is bigger than big, and the imminence of God is that he is closer than close. Listen to this by A.W. Tozer. This will preach, all right? A.W. Tozer, we're going to put the quote on the screen. God is above, but he's not pushed up. He is beneath, but he's not pressed down, amen? He's outside, but he's not excluded. (laughs) He's inside, but he's not confined, amen? Come on. Come on, God is above all things presiding. He's beneath all things sustaining. He's outside all things embracing and he's inside all things filling him who fills all in every way, in all ways. Come on, come on. I hope you're a little more excited than those in the first service were about this. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I don't want to offend anybody in the first service, you know. But Colossians 1.17 describes Christ as this, that him who holds all things together by the power of his word. So, so in this idea of quantum mechanics, this is where quantum mechanics meets quantum theology. God is the gluon, big G, that holds all things together. Acts 17.28 says this, in him we live and move and what? Have our being. Have our being. According to an estimate, there's about 37 sextillion chemical reactions happening in your body right now as you sit in this service. If you ate breakfast or anything before you came, then right now you are digesting food. 
You are processing and digesting food. Right now, you're processing sound as I speak. You are regenerating cells. You are purifying toxins. Hallelujah. You're catalyzing enzymes. You're producing hormones. And you're converting stored energy from body fat into blood sugar. And that's just the thinnest slice of what is going on right now as you sit here. There is a lot of energy. There is a lot that is happening. There's a lot of things that are going on right now. The word move in Acts 17, 28 is the word kineo, and it's where we get kinetic from or kinetic energy. It means to set in motion. The Holy Spirit is opposite of inertia, all right? The Holy Spirit means movement, okay? The Holy Spirit is energy. The Holy Spirit is a person, but the Holy Spirit brings us an energy and a power and a passion to do what God has called us to do. He fills all things in all ways. The Holy Spirit, it's kind of fun. The Holy Spirit is kind of the opposite of indifference, right? The Holy Spirit is kind of the tail that wags the dog. (laughs) Friends, we need the Holy Spirit each day in our lives, don't we? We need the life-giving Spirit. So I want to go back for a moment to the beginning of creation, Genesis 2-7. This is what Genesis 2-7 says. It says, Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now, I don't want to offend anybody in here, but I've got to be honest with you. We're all dirtbags. Right? We were, we were what? We were formed from what? Dust. We were formed from dust. We were from, formed from dirt or, or, Larry, soil, right? I need to say soil, right? Yeah, soil. We, that, that gives me hope, right? Because God works with dirty things. If I don't feel clean, if I don't feel, if I don't feel like I, that I'm enough, I don't feel like I measure up, I feel like I make demand, it is good news that God works with dirty things. How many find that's a good thing, Right? We were not formed from silver. We were not formed from gold. We were not formed from precious metals. We were formed from dirt, dirt. Now, I heard a, I heard a message from evangelist uh, Robert Madu, and uh, he points out this. The only environment in which a seed can flourish and grow is soil or dirt, soil or dirt. So guess what? When God formed us out of the dirt, what did he do? He breathed life. What is breath in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word, what? Ruach, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So into that 99.99% empty space, some of you are looking at your partner, don't think of their brain, okay? The Holy Spirit wants to fill you wants to, there's a lot of room for the Holy Spirit to fill you and to move in you. And listen, this is what Paul said about what's inside of you, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. What's earthen vessels? Dirt. (laughs) Dust you were formed from, dust you shall return, right? Dirt, that's a just boom, like think about it, all right? But inside of you is what? A treasure. There is a treasure. The excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, God says, I'm getting all the glory, but I put something inside of you. It is the Holy Spirit. God has breathed the breath of life into us, dirt, earthen vessels, and he has put his Holy Spirit inside of all of us who have received Christ. There's a gift of God in you and I, and it is the life-giving spirit. And that's good news today. 
So I want to go back to a passage we just touched on last week as we were talking about the stirring, that God wants to stir up His people. God wants to stir us up, folks. And I want to go back for a moment because Paul's writing to Timothy, and Timothy's overwhelmed, facing fear, feeling intimidated, overwhelmed in his position and calling and what God is calling him to do. And Paul has experience in this. And Paul says to him, he wrote this, 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason... I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, let me just tell you something. That is the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And he says, fan into flame. Other translations say, stir it up. Stir up the gift of God that is within you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is that seed that is in you. It is the presence of God that is in you. And the Holy Spirit wants to come out of you. The Holy Spirit wants to move in you, wants to move you. Oh, man, why? So we can impact our families, right? So we can impact our communities. So we can impact our nation. But what holds us back? Fear. Fear. So what's verse 2? What's verse 7? I'm sorry, the next verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. There's a lot of things the Holy Spirit does, but one of the things in this that helps us overcome is a replacement, a replacement of fear that when you begin to stir up the gift of God within you, how do you do that? Prayer, praise, worship, calling on God, fasting. When you begin to do those things, those spiritual disciplines, you are beginning to stir up the Holy Spirit in you and fear is is replaced by three things, three benefits of stirring up the power the Holy Spirit, and it is power, love, and a sound mind. So here, I want to, let's, let's go into it. Number one, the Spirit energizes you with power. This is how Paul puts it, Colossians 1.29, for this I toil, struggling with all his, look at that word, energy, kaneo, energy, right, that he powerfully works within me. Listen, Paul, Paul was a rock star, wasn't he? When we think of the Apostle Paul, a guy who, who wrote a third of the New Testament, a guy who traveled around, we think of, we think of somebody who was like this, this superhuman Christian, this, this superhuman missionary man. Look at all the things that Paul did, but understand something. Paul understood something. He understood that he did not do it in his own power. He did not do it in his own talent. He did not do it in his own intelligence. He did it with the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of him. The same power that Christ raised, that that, that raised Christ from the dead, what? Lives in us. Lives in you. Lives in me. We, We don't need to rely on our own. Paul says, listen, rely on the Holy Spirit. That's what propels and sustains us. Now, how many remember those little wind-up toys? Anybody remember those little wind-up toys? Sometimes you would, you would get those in a Happy Meal or something, you know, and, and, and in order to get it to go, you had to wind it, right? So you wind it up, maybe it was a little duck, maybe it was a little car, and it would start to go, or it would start to waddle, and after a while it would go, or it would slow down. And what'd you have to do? Wind it up again, right? Listen, friends, the Holy Spirit is the energizing power that we need in our lives to keep us wound up. Too many times there are too much resistance, there's too many things in the spiritual battle that come, come against us. We get tired, we get worn down, and a lot of times it's because we stop relying on the Holy Spirit and we start relying on our own power and we need to stir up the gift of God inside of us so that we can be more effective. 
Paul prayed this for the church in Colossae. Listen, this is what he prayed for his brothers and sisters, Colossians 1, 10, and 11. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. How many of you want to do that? Right? Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened, look at this, with all power to, according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Listen, you don't have to, you don't have to strive on your own. You don't have to try to do this on your own. God has given us his Holy Spirit. God has given us his energy. We don't, we don't have to rely on our own energy. We might get weary. We might feel defeated, but we're not, we can't do it in our own strength. A.W. Tozier said this, no matter what a man does, no matter how successful it seems to be in any field, if the Holy Spirit is not the chief energizer of his activity, it will all fall apart when he dies. What we do is temporary, but we, what we do through the power of God and the Holy Spirit is eternal and lasting. Second benefit that we need, the Holy Spirit enriches you with love, enriches you with love. Listen, it's a, it's a supernatural power. This is what Paul said in Romans 5, 5. He says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through what? The Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? I don't know about you, but that's an amazing statement. The love of God has been poured into our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit. Notice it doesn't say some of God's love. It says what? All of God's love. All of God's love. I don't know about you, but we need love today. There is so much division that is going on. There's division in our nation. There's division in the church. There's all kinds of things that are going on that divide us? Where do, we, where do we begin to walk in the love that we need to, to have? We do it because the Holy Spirit pours his love into our hearts. If you say, I need more love, friends, listen, the Holy Spirit is in, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and the fruit of that Spirit is what? Love. Love. Love, joy, peace, patience. I happen to think that, that those ones that follow all kind of play into love, you know? Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Where is 1 Corinthians 13 found? It's found between two chapters, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. You know what those are all about? The gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. You can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be as Pentecostal as they come, but if you have not love, you're a clanging gong and a, and a symbol, you know, a clanging symbol. If you have not love, then it, is, it profits nothing, You can speak all you want, all the prophecies and mysteries and everything else, but if there is not love that is flowing out of your heart, if that is not the motivation, if that is not what's coming out of you, then then it's nothing. It profits nothing. Friends, we need the love of God in our hearts. 1 John 4, 12 and 13. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. So you abide in the Lord, you do so by the power of the Holy Spirit and it's the Holy Spirit inside of you that gives us love to do what God has called us to do. The Holy Spirit lives where? In us as believers. 
And so his love is poured into our hearts so that we don't have to be jealous of anyone. We don't have to hate anyone. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, all you need in terms of love is in you through the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to energize us, to enrich us in our lives with love. Now listen, love is a great force of overcoming fear because oftentimes prejudice and hatred, oftentimes division and disunity, those kind of things, if you really get to the core, they have to do with fear, that I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid of what I don't know. I'm afraid of somebody taking advantage of me. I'm afraid of a missed opportunity. I, I'm, a, I'm a afraid that I'm not going to get what's coming to me. All, there's a lot of things, and if you really break it down, it comes down to fear. But listen, what drives out fear? Peter or uh, John said this, 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Allow me to share some differences between love and fear. Love looks for opportunities to give, but fear is self-protecting. Love causes us to move towards other people, but fear causes us to withdraw from others. Love is a sign of trust, but fear is a sign of doubt. God has called us not to just love him, but to love one another. Friends, we need to love one another. Let me share with you an illustration. How many of you are a football fan, NFL history fan, then, then perhaps you'll recognize this name, Gail Sayers. Anybody here heard of Gail Sayers? He's a running back, running back for the Chicago Bears. Uh, and in 1967, uh, he was put into a situation where he and another running back by the name of Brian Piccolo were, were asked to room together. Now, you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Players room together all the time. Well, this was a time where there was very much a racial divide happening in our nation in the 1960s, and Brian Piccolo was a, a, a white football player, and Gail Sayers was a black football player, and they had to room together. And aside from George Hallis, who coached the Chicago Bears, Gail Sayers would admit that he really did not have any meaningful relationships with any uh, white men or any white people at the time. And Brian Piccolo from Wake Forest, a southeastern school, an Italian-born football player, Player, admitted that he at that point had not had any significant relationship with a black man and yet here they were forced to room together and you know what happened as they got to room together they became very close friends fact they developed a great relationship and if you've seen the movie Brian's song then you see what happened during their relationship you see Brian Piccolo after a couple of years was suddenly unable to play uh, NFL football anymore because he had cancer and after being in and out of the hospital during a season, at the end of the season, he decided that he needed to call it quits. And, uh, and, and so Gail Sayers loved Brian, and that wasn't the end of their relationship. He would fly to be with Brian and to sit with Brian. And in fact, there was a, an awards presentation by the football writers for the George Hallis uh, uh, Award, uh, and it was going to take place. And the wives and their husbands planned to sit together during that, but Brian Piccolo was unable to come. And when Sayers was about to, to receive that award, as he stood there, he stood there with tears springing from his eyes, and he said this, he says, I, I say to you here and now, Brian Piccolo is the man of courage who should receive the George S. Hallis Award. I love Brian Piccolo, and I'd like all of you to love him too. Tonight, when you, will you hit your knees and please ask God to love him? Love breaks down barriers and walls. Friends, we need God's love poured out into our hearts. And it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to love beyond any kind of disunity and any kind of division. Let me just talk to you some, some strategies of how to love well. 
Number one, accept others for who they are, not what you want them to be. Love shouldn't break down just because somebody doesn't meet up with your expectations. How many of you glad that God's love didn't break down because you didn't meet God's expectations, right? Be patient with people's progress. How many of you are, are so glad when somebody is patient with you because you recognize, man, I've got a lot of growing to do. Boy, I hope they're patient with me. We need to extend that same grace to others. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, he who began a good work within you will carry it on to, conclu- to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Connect with others when they hurt. Let me tell you something. When people hurt, that's not a time for you to preach to them. That's a time for you to empathize with them. Not to tell them why they shouldn't hurt or to brush it aside with a quick, it's going to be okay, this too shall pass. There's time for that. But when somebody's deeply hurting, sometimes they just need somebody to come along and hurt with them. In fact, Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Sometimes mourning is uncomfortable. Sometimes we've got to be willing. Love is being willing to live in the uncomfortable. Desire what's best for others. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. Philippians 1.8, God can testify how long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul says, listen, I need a capacity to love others and not to be me-centric. Romans 5.5, this hope and the good news, this hope does not disappoint us, for God has poured out his love into our hearts by the means of his Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. Listen, again, the Holy Spirit is the one that we need to, to stir up so that we can begin to love as God calls us to love. Fifth, erase all offenses. Let go of the bad things. You want to go back to 1 Corinthians 13? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Clara Barton, the founder of the Red Cross, American Red Cross, was asked on one occasion if she still speaks to a particular person who had done a vicious deed to her a few years ago. And she acted as if she had never, uh, she didn't know what the person was talking about when they brought it up. And they said, come on, don't you remember that? And she said, I distinctly remember forgetting that. There are some things we've got to distinctly remember forgetting. I doubt if she forgot it, but she wasn't going to let it impact her. <laughs> Thirdly, the Holy Spirit enlightens you with a proper perspective. <laughs> going back to 2 Timothy 1.7, the Spirit gives power, love, and a sound mind. What is sound mind? It's self-discipline. It is good judgment. How many of you know we need good judgment today, Right? We need a proper perspective today. Oftentimes, our circumstances get magnified, but it's the Holy Spirit that lets us magnify God to see that he's bigger than any circumstance, no matter how big it seems. It's, it's, it's the Spirit's perspective that puts fear into perspective. Oftentimes, we fear when something is really big, but it's the Holy Spirit that begins to stir in our hearts that gives us a different perspective in, in, and, and how we see things, you know, it influences our actions, it influences our thinking, it shapes our thinking, it ultimately impacts our lives. That's why, that's why our perspective is so important, the worldview in which we look at. Uh, you know, about the year 1485, Italian painter Filippino Lippi painted a portrait called The Virgin and the Child with Saints Jerome and Dominic. 
And, and for many years, cri critics began to deem the perspective of the painting to be off. When they, when they took a look at it, they said, well, the hills and the surrounding mountains and lakes look like they're about to fall off the painting. There's just something off about them. In fact, Jerome and Dominic look kind of awkward and uncomfortable. And there was a lot of criticism to this painting until uh, one day a critic by the name of Robert Cummings realized that the previous perspective that the other critics were looking at was wrong. He recognized that, that Lippi did not intend for the painting to be looked at by standing up, but rather he intended it to be an aid for prayer. And in order to really be able to see the painting as Lippi had wanted it to be, you had to get down on your knees, because it was an aid to prayer, and look at it. And when you began to look up from your knees, everything began to come into focus in fact, there were details that had been missed if you were standing up, but kneeling down that you could picture and you can see. Why do I share that? Because, friends, I'm going to tell you that the lens and the world in which we live, if you are watching and reading the world and what's going on through the evening news, if you were taking a look at the world through social media, if you were taking a look at the world through what you see on a tablet, on a computer, on a TV screen, you need a different perspective. You need a biblical worldview. You need a perspective that comes as the Holy Spirit begins to enlighten the scriptures and allows you to see what's happening in light of the way that God is seeing things. And the only way that you do that is on your knees. It's on your knees. As we begin to spend time in prayer and in worship and time in God's word and time in fasting, we begin to stir up the Holy Spirit that's inside of us and with that, our perspective changes. We can walk not in fear, but in a new courage and power. We can walk not in fear, but in love and understanding and empathy. We can walk not by looking at things the way that uh, the world looks at things, but we can begin to look at things through the lens of Scripture and through the lens of what God says. Friends, I don't know about you, but we need the perspective of the Holy Spirit. Friends, if circumstances have you feeling lonely, the Holy Spirit reminds you that God is with you. Hebrews 13, 5, for God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If circumstances have you feeling insecure, the Holy Spirit reminds you that God is your confidence. David wrote this in Psalm 16, 8 and 9. I'm always aware of the Lord's presence, of God's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. And I'm so thankful and glad and I feel completely secure. Do you feel that way in God? That no matter what the circumstances, you can't be shaken because you know who your God is. If circumstances have you feeling uncertain, the Holy Spirit reminds you that he's the counselor. Job 13, 27, you watch every step I take and even examine my footprints. I love that. If circumstances have you feeling depressed, the Holy Spirit reminds you that he is your comforter. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near those who are discouraged and he saves those who have lost hope. Friends, if we're not careful, our circumstances can begin to shape our perspective, but we need the Holy Spirit to shape our perspective. 
We need the perspective of the Holy Spirit to be able to see things. Psalm 116, 7 to 10, be confident, my heart, because the Lord has been good to me. The Lord saved me from death. He stopped my tears and kept me from defeat. And so I walk in the presence of the Lord and the world of the living, and I keep on believing even when I said I am completely crushed. I keep on. I want to I land the plane this morning, and then we're going to just close with a time of worship this morning. But Robert Louis Stevenson told the story of a ship that was struggling to stay afloat in a storm. The sailors were all afraid, and one man left his post, left his job, and decided that he was going to go into the control room because he wanted to see what was going on with the captain. And as he walked in, he saw the captain with great strength and in, in, in a keen mind, and he was wrestling with the steering wheel, or with the ship's wheel, not a steering wheel, but the ship's wheel to keep it from hitting the rocks steering the ship safely on. And as he had walked in and was watching, the captain turned and looked at him and the captain smiled at him. And the shipmate decided that that was enough. He went down and decided to go back down and he said to everybody else, all of his shipmates, he goes, friends, we're all all right. And they said, how do you know? Look at things, how do you know? And he said, the captain smiled at me. Friends, there's a lot of topsy-turvy going on. Well, you got to get a perspective where you keep your eyes on the Lord. Because when you see him, you'll see he holds all things together by the word of his power. He has the glue on with the big G. He fills all in all. He holds everything together by the word of his power. And you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit stirred in up in us so that we cannot walk in fear, but in power and love and a sound mind. God is calling his church, but God doesn't want you to go in your own strength. Some of you are exhausted. Some of you are tired. Some of you are discouraged. Some of you need hope today. Let the Holy Spirit change your perspective. Let the Holy Spirit stir in you a love for one another that we would be known by our love, our love for one another. We wouldn't bite and devour one another. We would be known by our love for one another and that we would walk in the power of of the Holy Spirit. There is so much we can't control, right? So much that can overwhelm us and cause fear. But Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit to help us overcome fear. He wants to breathe life into us once again. Friends, he wants to stir us up and energize us with the power when we feel like we have no strength left. He wants to enrich us in love when everybody around us is getting under our skin. Been quarantined too long wants to enlighten us with a proper perspective so that we can grasp what's going on in life. Friends, what do you need the Holy Spirit to stir up in you today? What do you need the Holy Spirit to stir up in you today? I wanna invite you to stand. If you're watching online, join us today. And, and I, I, we're just gonna sing. We're gonna sing, the whole, we're gonna sing about the Holy Spirit this morning. We're gonna sing about the Holy Spirit this morning. And I just want you to say, God, stir up your spirit in me. If you need, if you need the, the, the courage and the power of the Holy Spirit today, I want to encourage you and say, Holy Spirit, stir up your, stir up, give me, give me power today. Give me energy today. Give me your power today. Friends, if you need God's love, Father, enrich my heart with love. Help me to forgive someone that I need to forgive today. Give me love, God, and give me understanding and empathy. And if you say, God, I need a different perspective, ask the Holy Spirit to stir up in you His perspective to see what He wants to do in your heart and life. Come on, let's just worship the Lord.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.